Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Welcome to this week's Farm Talk. I'm Barry O'Mahony. On the programme, we continue our weekly look at the world of agriculture and food. The new government took up office last weekend. We get the reaction from the farming organisations. Tagusk has released the findings of its National Farm Survey. We look at the details and gauge reaction. We look at how forests and timber provide multiple benefits for society, economy and the environment in County Cork. Farm safety still very much in the spotlight as the heavy work continues across the summer months. The first ever virtual Cork summer show takes place this weekend. We find out what it's all about. Also, Farm Talk's John O'Connor looks at the stories making the agri-news this week. Farm Talk on C103. Farming organisations have been reacting to the appointment of Barry Cowan as the new Minister for Agriculture, Food and the Marine. IFA President Tim Cullinan congratulated Minister Cowan on his appointment and said he's looking forward to working with him to ensure the full potential of the farming sector is harnessed. Barry Cowan, he's a fine politician, has been around for quite a number of years now and look, I look forward to working with Barry. There is a lot of challenges ahead. John, I'm delighted that we have the formation of a government. I think that's very, very important to know where the country is at, that we can get the country moving again. We we will work with the Green Party. I know that they will bring a new dimension on, on renewable, or I suppose the other point is on renewable energy. I've been sincerely hoping that this new government will propose us forward that will kickstart a renewable energy industry for the farm sector as well. Tim Cullinan also highlighted the cap budget, Brexit and the new climate bill as urgent and critical issues for the new government. But the Minister for Agriculture has more issues to address, including the pressing need to get the €50 million in funding for beef farmers out quickly. The Minister has to be clear that farming is a commercial activity and that the economic sustainability of farmers is at the centre of the sustainability debate. Tim Cullinan congratulated Senator Pippa Hackett on her appointment as Super Junior Minister with responsibility for land use management and biodiversity. He also thanked Cork North West TD Michael Creed for his contribution as the outgoing Minister for Agriculture. ICMSA say farmers will be reassured by the appointment in Barry Cowan of someone widely recognised as having a knowledge of and sympathy with the farm families of Ireland. President Pat McCormack said it was already obvious the next five years would involve the most fundamental changes and challenges in Irish farming since the state's accession to the EEC in 1973. Farming and food sectors need leadership by an individual who understands the nature of the change coming and will help the farming and food sectors make the transition by acknowledging the central economic, social and environmental role the sector already plays in rural areas and who will fight to maintain that. 
ICSA says it looks forward to forging a strong working relationship with Minister Barry Cowan with a focus on delivering economic sustainability to cattle and sheep farmers along with environmental benefits to all. President Edmund Phelan is calling for total transparency in the food chain and ensure that neither processor nor retailer can abuse their dominant position. ICSA is insisting that the promised food ombudsman is installed without delay. ICSA also welcomed the appointment of Martin Hayden as Junior Minister for Agriculture. Irish Natura and Hill Farmers Association is stressing the new ministers must protect all farm family models which have become the mainstay of agriculture and rural communities. The drive to increase farm size and the level of production has not delivered in terms of improved income for farmers and the wider rural economy. The three government parties have agreed not to stop the development of the farming sector, according to the Agriculture Minister. There had been fears expressed by many farmers that the industry might be forced to drastically change due to commitments on reducing carbon emissions. The programme for government has made a pledge to protect family farms for future generations. Meanwhile, a multi-billion euro stimulus package for the economy is being drawn up by the government and the Agriculture Minister Barry Cowan says there will be supports in this for farmers. There's many priorities um, across government, including agriculture, in order to ensure uh, that the recovery of the country's economy is paramount in order to return the country to growth, uh, get people back to work and we're glad to see that today continued opening up of the country and the impact that that will have in a positive way as well. It's now hoped that increased funding allocated to FSAI, the Food Safety Authority of Ireland, by the Department of Health, by former outgoing Minister Simon Harris, will allow progress be made in the funding row between City Management Association, CCMA, and FSAI, which has affected the hiring of local authority vets providing services in the smaller local abattoirs. This extra funding of 1.2 million euro represents an increase of 7%. Just over 173 abattoirs, catering for 15%, 408,573 animals of the annual national kill, depend on local authority vets to perform legally required tests on slaughtered animals. It's understood following this boost in funding that a three-month breeding space has now been secured to allow a longer-term agreement be negotiated. John O'Connor for Farm Talk. Farm Talk on C103. We continue this week's Farm Talk with the 2019 National Farm Survey carried out by Tiagask. First, Karen Duclo of Tiagask, based in Cantork, has been telling me about the main findings of the survey. From the livestock side of the house, they have been mainly positive. Uh, we're looking at a lift in family farm incomes um, in livestock systems overall. Um, dairy farm income is up 9% on 2018. Um, cattle rearing and sheep enterprises are, are also up. Um, they're up 11 and 9% respectively. Um, tillage hasn't fared so well due to the low prices um, in 19. Um, I suppose we would have hoped as well for a bigger improvement in um, the family farm income on uh, dairy farms, especially coming off a very poor year in 18 and good weather conditions in 19. And why has there not been that level of improvement that we would have hoped for in dairy incomes? I suppose, first of all, we would have seen a a milk price drop, which is something that... um, can't be controlled um, inside the farm gate. Um, This has been offset, however, by um, an increase in production levels 
Um, I suppose 19 did come off the back of a very bad 18, and we did see some kind of hangover effects from that, in that concentrate feeding levels um, did have to go up um, in 18 due to the um, drought during the summer and the poor um, spring. And uh, I suppose uh, there was a certain um, get used to um, reducing that feed again that had to be done on 19, which um, didn't quite happen. And I suppose there also was a hangover from the point of view that fodder reserves were depleted in 18. And that ground literally had to be made up again in 19. So we did see extra uh, contracting charges coming in in 19 as well. And while we've income on the one hand, Karen, cost on the other, what can farmers do to rein in on cost? It, it's simple enough from uh, one point of view in that it's, it's about not spending. And I suppose this year we would urge farmers that if they are looking at cash flow issues to put off spending on non-essential items or to look at um, finance and putting finance in place if they see a cash flow problem um, coming at them down the road, and also to plan the tax bill. Um, Farmers can continue to get support from Chagas in relation to cost control and uh, financial planning. We provide um, a profit monitor, which um, assesses, I suppose, a baseline on how a farm... um, performance and we have um, programs to keep an eye on costs throughout the year as well to monitor your spending such as the cost control planner and the new um, cash minder. Uh, I suppose the main thing is to um, to document costs and I know it's not something we all like doing but you need to know where you stand and then monitor it um, around that. And in terms of cash flow, we do have cash flow planners as well. So you can sit down and do a simple um, money in, money out and, and see how you fare. But we're here for farmers if they need further information or support in any of those areas. Karen Duclo of Tagusk, based in Cantork, telling me there about the main findings of the National Farm Survey. We'll have more from Karen in our advisory later in the programme. Farm Talks' John O'Connor has been looking at reaction to the National Farm Survey as well as focusing on some of the other key points which have arisen in the findings. According to the Chagas National Farm Survey, tillage incomes were hit hardest in 2019, falling 15% to €34,437 due to lower prices. The Chagas National Farm Survey further found, while tillage incomes were down, average family farm incomes rose marginally in 2019 to €23,933, a 2% rise. And responding to the dairy results in the 2019 National Farm Survey carried out by Chagask, IFA National Dairy Committee Chairman Mr Tom Phelan said the results, which suggested a modest dairy farm family income increased, they were in fact less positive signs than one might think and needed to be examined closely. He went on to say... The dairy farm incomes increase of 9% reported in the survey for 2019 actually represents a whopping 25% drop compared to 2017. He said the improvement in 2019 relative to the severe drought year, that was 2018, was the result of lower spend on fodder and feed, combined with higher milk volumes produced. 
Milk prices actually fell by 2.8% in 2019, according to the survey, to levels equivalent to those received by farmers as long ago as 1995, as reported by the CSO, Central Statistics Office. Part of a statement there from Mr Tom Phelan, IFA National Dairy Committee Chairman, responding to the recently released figures from the 2019 National Farm Survey, NFS, carried out by Chogersk. John O'Connor for Farm Talk. Fianna Falls, Ireland South MEP Billy Kelleher says Irish farmers can breathe a sigh of relief after the announcement of a two-year cap extension by the European Union. He was commenting after a provisional agreement was reached between the co-legislators, the Parliament and the Council last Monday. He said the two-year expansion gives farmers predictability, stability and financial continuity. They can now start planning for the next two years while the new cap and the MFF are negotiated. Next, we look at how forests and timber provide multiple benefits for society, the economy and the environment in County Cork. Just over 90,000 hectares of Cork is under forest cover, or 12% of all land in the county. 1,679 farmers in County Cork received in excess of €8.8 million in forest premium payments in 2017. Total employment in the forestry sector in County Cork is now estimated at 1,395 people. Mark McCauley is Director of Forest Industries Ireland and I asked him about the strength of the forestry industry in Cork. Traditionally Cork has been a very strong county for forestry and indeed the south and southwest have been very strong areas. Uh, I don't know if you know but there's a, there's a couple of very large um, timber processors in County Cork. You have Glennon's in Fermoy and then you have uh, Grangers or GP Wood as they're called now who have two, two plants down in West Cork in, in Enniskeen. In West Cork. So Cork has always been a strong forestry county, lots of uh, timber and forest planted around the county. Uh, right now, there's getting on for 1,700 farmers in County Cork who own a forest. So all over the country, people don't realise just how many people, but there's 21,000 uh, farmers largely who own forests all over the, all over the, the country in every county. Uh, some counties busier than others, uh, and Cork is one of our busy ones. And they do it for they plant their forestry for any number of reasons. Um, I suppose, first of all, if you look at the financial, there's a, there's a significant uh, forestry premium, as we call it, on offer uh, for people who plant forestry. So the government will come in and they'll, they'll pay for your forestry company uh, to come in and plant the forest for you, uh, buy all the trees, plant them, set you up. And then the farmer gets um, premium payments, as we call them, for, for 15 years after after they, they plant the forest every year, they get a premium payment. And that can range from €550 Euros per hectare uh, upwards, depending on, on exactly what type of forest you, you, you plant. And that comes on top, of course, of your, your main payment under the cap. So there's a financial incentive to do it. But if today, people are planting forests for all sorts of reasons. Um, in particular, we look at climate change um, and forests all over the country those forests contain about 300 million tonnes of carbon. So if you think about it, the forests in the country uh, are absorbing, uh, give or take, about 75% of the emissions that come out of our, our cars. So we've got 2.1 million cars on our roads, and the forests are sucking up all that carbon dioxide, storing it away in the trees, and when those trees are, are finally cut down after 35, 40 years, that carbon stays in the timber products that's used to, to build our houses and things like that. So... Farmers are looking at it, landowners are looking at it uh, as an environmental option as well. They can participate in, in our fight against climate change. And indeed, the, the government is looking to plant much more forestry, 
the target is about 8,000 hectares around the country uh, each year. We're only doing about half of that at the moment. So we really need to, to step up and drive on and, and hit this target because it's, in terms of agriculture and land use, it's by far the biggest single uh, option we have in terms of combating, uh, combating climate change sucking up uh, carbon dioxide. For those cork farmers that are involved or anybody who might be considering getting involved in forestry, Mark, how viable is it? Well, the Department of Agriculture has done uh, analysis on this and and actually after dairy farming, forestry provides the second best uh, economic return uh, from the land. It's the second most profitable thing you can do with your land. Now, not all farmers are going to want to go into forestry. It's not not for everyone. Um, and indeed, we don't need everybody to get into it. You know, uh, there's a lot of land out there. Uh, only 11% of the country is forested right now. So there's a lot of land available. And if a proportion of farmers want to get into forestry and are interested in it, it's certainly economically viable. There's a ready market for every stick of timber that comes out of Irish forests. We sp- supply an enormous amount of timber into the, the UK as well as uh, uh, demand here in Ireland. Um, and the... The, the, the demand for timber is growing all the time because, again, uh, if you look at timber as, as a building material, it's a very sustainable building material. It's, it's sequestering carbon. So all the, the main drivers of demand, we've got a shortage of housing in this country. There's a shortage of housing in the UK. So all the main drivers are very, very strongly in favour of a, a good market for timber into the future. So it's, a, it's an extremely attractive option from a financial point of view but also i think the big attraction for a lot of people is is the structure of it it's very safe it's secure it's not dependent on on prices day to day in the mart it's not dependent on uh on the weather and things like that so it's a stable and secure income and then at the end you get this windfall when you harvest your crop um and that windfall is tax-free and we know obviously forestry centers around trees but the nature of the work involved there for a farmer or a farm family. What is involved, Mark? Well, largely the work is done for you by the forestry company that, that typically farmers will, em- will employ at the outset. As I say, grants are available, so everything is paid for by, by, by the government at the outset. And they will come in and they'll convert the land to forestry, they'll plant all the trees. Now, the industry does encourage, um, and it's actually very important that farmers engage with their forest after it has been planted, it's important to be, to be going in there at regular intervals, uh, looking after the trees, pruning as appropriate, um, creating, uh, for example, inspection paths through the forest. So, so uh, later on in the crop rotation, uh, a buyer can come in and they can get a good look at the forest. So things like that actually add a lot of value. And then also you have a forest management plan where... Um, perhaps after 15 years you do your first thinning. So that is taking out the weaker trees and giving more space for the stronger trees, the straighter trees, because we're looking for, for tall, straight stems. It allows them to grow, gives them the space, and then you have subsequent thinnings, all of which at each thinning stage, you know, you have a timber, uh, have some timber to sell. Um, and then really what you're aiming for is the best final crop of trees after, let's say, 35 years. Uh, the strong, straight trees and uh, that the sawmill will come and look at and will buy from you. Um, and and that, it is important because actually too many farmers, their forest is planted. Uh, it may be planted, you know, uh, in a further corner of the farm perhaps, and they just ignore it. But it is useful and important uh, to keep an eye on it, 
to do those basic maintenance things every few years, and that'll improve your crop in the long term. Now, something that you may or may not have a view on, Mark, IFA is highlighting what they call a crisis in forestry licences. What's at issue here? Can you explain that? Essentially, the department had to bring in a new uh, system for issuing licences, where it had to to screen all of the activity for for environmental impact. And this was a new system, uh, and it took them quite a lot of time to get this introduced and in the meantime, this great big backlog of licenses or license applications, I should say, have built up. So if you want to plant some trees or indeed you want to fell some trees, you have to get a license. And a lot of these applications have been stuck in the department waiting to be assessed as they've been putting in place this new system. You know, it's our view that the system should have been put in place long ago. It should have been done in a well-managed fashion rather than sort of playing catch up now, if you like. Uh, they've sort of got caught a little bit behind. They're playing catch-up. They're getting there now, but a big backlog has built up. And people are simply waiting to get their license, to get their approval, if you want, to go in and fell those trees. So farmers are caught in the middle of this. But also it's having an impact on our sawmills. And, and my organization represents all of the sawmills in the country, as well as all of the forestry companies. But the impact on the sawmills is that they cannot get you know, that ready supply of timber that they would want to get right now. Uh, actually, the, the market for timber is very, very strong just at the moment, uh, despite everything that's happening in the country. Um, and timber prices uh, have gone up uh, because, uh, indeed, the, the, the sawmills, because of this licensing issue, as I say, cannot get the amount of timber that they want. So it's crucial. You know, this licensing system is a platform upon which the whole industry is based. You know, if it's not working properly, it's like trying to to build something on an unstable uh, foundation. You know, the foundation has to be, has to be strong. Um, and we're having, you know, constant conversations uh, about this. And, and we're hoping that they're beginning to get on top of it. But, the, but there have been real issues there. Mark McCauley, Director of Forest Industries Ireland. The Minister for Agriculture, Food and the Marine, Barry Cowan TD, has chaired his first meeting of the FoodWise 2025 High Level Implementation Committee, HLIC, to discuss the ongoing economic implications of COVID-19 for the sector, Brexit preparations, and also progress on the new agri-food strategy up to the year 2030. The meeting was attended by the CEOs and senior officials from Bordbia, Enterprise Ireland, Bordish Guevara and Chagask, as well as senior officials from relevant government departments and agencies. Minister Khan said, agri-food, including fisheries, is our most important indigenous sector, and he looks forward to leading the continued development of the sector, especially now as we work our way through the twin challenges of the economic impact of COVID-19 and ongoing Brexit uncertainty. John O'Connor for Farm Talk. Farm Talk on C103. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Hi. 
This is Craig Robinson from Ways to Win. And support for this podcast comes from Invesco QQQ, the official ETF of the NCAA. The future isn't scary, not realizing its potential, however, could be. Just like on the recruiting trail, I've seen potential come in many forms as a coach. Learn more at Invesco.com slash QQQ. Let's rethink possibility. Invesco Distributors, Inc. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. ICMSA says following the latest meeting of the Beef Task Force, on the basis of the presentation by Onboard Bia on the Beef Market Outlook, the cattle number situation in the second half of 2020 is certainly grounds for optimism for beef producers. Bourbia confirmed as of May 1st the number of male cattle over 12 months of age is 68,000, less than May 1st, 2019. In the case of beef female cattle, 25,000 less. It means cattle supply should be tighter than last year, providing a level of advantage for the primary producer. While beef demand has been hit due to COVID-19, with restrictions being relaxed across Europe, there is certainly optimism that demand levels will recover for the rest of the year. This will provide a reasonable market outlook for beef that has to be translated into better prices for farmers. ICSA has said a bigger and better sheep welfare scheme must be top of the agenda for the new Minister for Agriculture. The scheme draws to a close at the end of this year and planning is needed for it to develop into 2021. ICSA said the budget for the scheme will need to be increased significantly. Wool is now a loss-making enterprise for sheep farmers and as prices fall lower, it's become an animal welfare issue and needs to be brought up under the sheep welfare scheme. Gardaí are appealing to all dog owners to ensure their dogs are kept under control after reports of livestock being attacked since March. The owners of dogs can be held liable for any damage to livestock and could also face prosecution. There have been three reported incidents in Cork West and one in Cork North, according to a breakdown of the figures in Gartha divisions. IFA says the figure showing nearly 50 dog attacks on sheep since March proves that dog owners continue to act in an irresponsible manner. The associations repeatedly ask government to put serious resources into a single database on microchipping and an adequate dog warden service, which hasn't yet happened. Needless to say, health and safety is an ongoing issue at farm level, with injuries and fatalities at a higher level than other professions. Joining me on Farm Talk is Catherine Hurley, Agri-Sales Support Advisor at Dairy Gold, to talk us through the current statistics and some precautions that can be taken on the farm to prevent accidents or death. I know it's a very sensitive issue, very close to heart to many family families in Ireland. And look, we're only talking about really to raise awareness rather than point finger. Obviously, fatality rate is far higher in farming than in any other sector. The farm remains the most dangerous workplace in Ireland. And those involved in farming then are actually seven times more likely to suffer a fatal injury than working in any other sector. So this year, so far, um, there has been 14 farm-related deaths in Ireland already, which is a startling figure, to be honest, um, considering there was a total of 18 for uh, 
the year 2019 in total for the 12 months. So we're obviously only just after going over the halfway mark and we're already at 14, which is startling. A person dies in an Irish farm every 20 days. And I suppose if you're looking at this year's figures, that's actually after rising to 13 days. And are there certain age groups, Catherine, that are more at risk maybe than others? Age groups then, I suppose, like the young and the old, they seem to be really the vulnerable. So like over 65-year-olds, they actually account for over 50% of um, all farm fatalities each year. The young and the old are the most susceptible. So we just have to take care of everyone on the farm and especially um, those age groups, yeah. And it's a busy time at this particular time. We've had the first cut of silage. We'll be preparing for the second. And, of course, the tillage season is moving on as well. So what advice would you have for farmers in relation to safety now at this time? Look, there's always some key actions that we can take. Um, A big thing would be to educate children from a young age, you know, for of good safety practices at home. I know AgriKids um, have been doing webinars. Uh, they're ongoing now since um, just that lockdown, which is great and uh, to create awareness, you know, for children, like the, re- the very real dangers of farming, a relatable way for them. And so I suppose then from that then as well, you can go where possible, separate family spaces from workspaces at farm level. So... You might see it yourself asking someone outside your farm to come in and take a look in an objective way, I suppose, from a farm safety point of view, because it's good to get someone else to look at it from an objective way and not from use and preventing accidents that way, you know. Catherine Hurley, AgriSales Support Advisor at Dairy Gold, talking to us about farm safety. Speaking during his first engagement with EU member state counterparts at a video conference of EU agriculture and fisheries ministers as well as agriculture and fisheries commissioners, Minister for Agriculture, Food and the Marine, Barry Cowan TD, said that Ireland had always favoured a strong green ambition in the new cap. He said the recent farm-to-fork and biodiversity strategies had highlighted the direction of travel for European agriculture. Minister Carroll said, as we move forward, if we are to deliver on the environmental ambitions contained in the farm-to-fork strategy, we must provide the necessary financial support for our farmers. Minister Cowan emphasised the need to move quickly now to consider the implications of these new strategies on the basis of full impact assessments. He also pointed to the need for further clarity in relation to specific elements of the CAP reform proposals. These would underpin the achievement of environmental objectives, including conditionality and eco-schemes. John O'Connor for Farm Talk. Farm Talk on C103. We continue this week's Farm Talk with her weekly Tagusk advisory. Karen Duclo is Tagusk advisor in Cantork. She's been telling me about some upcoming events of interest. I suppose our big event for next week is the virtual Beef Week. And uh, due to COVID-19 restrictions, the Big Grange Beef Open Day is moving online. So you can get updated on all the latest research without leaving Cork, which is uh, always a good thing. And the theme for the event is building a sustainable Irish beef sector. And it will take place next week online from July 6th to 10th. And so what that will consist of is two daily webinars or conferences at both 12 p.m. and 7 p.m., and in between that, we will be streaming content online and little video clips and um, updates from research. And how do farmers access these events online, Karen? 
So all the content will be available on our website, um, chavis.ie. Um, I suppose if you've um, problems um, getting online or using uh, computers, I'd say grab someone in the house um, and Google um, Virtual Beef Week. We will also have um, content um, with the Irish Farmers Journal online and AgriLand, so farmers may be more familiar um, with those websites. Are more farmers and more agri-people, are, are they using the modern technology now? Has that led to an increase? Or were people generally moving over to it, Karen, before we were forced into lockdown? I think it has just rapidly speeded up the move over to um, online and um, because of the necessity. Um, as the saying goes, uh, necessity is the, is the best mother of invention. Uh, and we have been forced to, to a degree, to move things online. Um, so we have a lot of uh, content online now, and uh, all our farm walks um, this year have been online. Um, and I suppose, look, there's advantages and disadvantages to everything. Um, the advantages are you can go to a farm walk in Tipperary and uh, get all the information that you would have got um, in 40 minutes um, sitting at home in the comfort of your own home. Um, I suppose the disadvantage of it is that you don't have that same um, social engagement that you would to say um, going to an actual farm walk. But any events then in particular that we should look out for next week, Karen? I suppose the line-up within the Beef um, Virtual Week is it's set out so that farmers can pick and choose the events that, that are, are of interest to them. So on Monday, um, the topic for the day will be suckler production and a focus on the dairy patrick herd and grange. Tuesday, it's um, dairy calf to beef and the new um, project there at Grange. Um, Wednesday, we'll focus on beef sustainability in relation to um, the environmental requirements. Uh, Thursday, we will be focusing on uh, grassland management and silage production. And the final day, which always proves um, very popular, will be um, debates with industry and uh, farmers around, I suppose, the the greater challenges facing beef production, such as um, profitability. And I know that you've been all very busy behind closed doors, as it were, with Tagusk and the advisories because of the COVID lockdown situation. We've been going through a number of phases where restrictions are being eased. Has that meant any different way of doing your work, Karen, or the work of the other advisors? Yeah, so initially in the full lockdown, it was everyone um, at home and doing um, consultations on phone, and I suppose it coincided with a time of year where we would have been doing paperwork for BPS uh, anyway. So it lent itself reasonably well to um, moving to phone consultations on that. Um, more and more, I suppose, as things have been lifted, um, we are able um, to, to get out on farm for essential visits. And we are back and um, running group meetings as well. Um, but obviously, we're keeping public health in mind. And we're uh, doing it following um, COVID-19 protocols from the HSE. But at the same time, our job is working with farmers on the ground. And it does necessitate um, a certain amount of out and about and, and interacting with farmers. Karen Duclo, Tagusk Advisor in Cantork.
The Cork Virtual Summer Show 2020 is taking place online this weekend owing to the COVID-19 pandemic. Organised by the Munster Agricultural Society, the Cork Summer Show has been running in one form or another for over 200 years, since 1806. But this is the first ever virtual show. Events and competitions are all online events. COVID-19 has inspired the organisers to rethink and adapt. Gerard Murphy is chair of the Munster Agricultural Society and he's been telling me about the challenges that a virtual Cork Summer Show presents. The first difficulty was in trying to get the software systems developed to allow us encompass what we were trying to do, which was to let people make electronic entries by either video or photograph, depending on the categories, uh, into the system. And the biggest challenge in after that was actually encouraging people to do it. The summer show spans all age groups from your six-year-old up to your 96-year-old and maybe even smaller beyond that. And um, people are doing very well in that Ireland has adopted the technology extremely well in the last five years, especially in the last six months. Like, how many people knew of Zoom six months ago? Very few. Um, So the concept is that uh, we're getting all the information together we now have a challenge with our judging is going on at the moment because we haven't had the results sorted out before we actually go live. That's a challenge now because the judges are all themselves learning. Our technology is only learning as it goes along. And there is no show actually around after doing such a wide spread of activity that we're after taking on. We have entries from New Zealand in actually the floral art class. We did have inquiries from other countries, especially Canada in relation to animals, but alas, uh, we didn't get entries from there in the end. And we've also taken an unusual step in that it's totally funded by our sponsors and most primarily by the Munster Agricultural Society because all entry fees are going to charity. And we just say that from the start that this is not an attempt to make money in any shape or form. This is an attempt to keep spirits up and to keep people in communication and to give something different and say that the Cork Summer Show, at least in 2020, still lived on. And how difficult has it been, Jared, to try and recreate the concept of your showgrounds in Corrigine and putting all this online then, you know, to get the message across that, you know, this is what we're trying to do. It's, it's something similar, but it's different because it's virtual. Because people have had to go virtual in so many things as a result of the coronavirus, uh, they've accepted that as a, ste- as a stepping stone, and it has forced them and ourselves to, shall we say, come out and switch into technology and make best use of it. So, like, we've got a quite bit of interest. Um, I did get a phone call the other day from a person in the UK to know, um, could they come over to the show? I said, no. Uh, <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, you don't, like, you know, people aren't thinking, like, you come over here, you're in 14-day quarantine before you even get to the show, and then you find out the show is actually on your computer or Facebook or live streaming. It's a very interesting challenge. We're primarily going to be competition, whether it is Lego or ponies or horses or goats or sheep. Um, I could go on categories. Or, there's a lot of categories there. So we're going to be broadcasting from 10.30 a.m. to roughly 3.30 p.m. Saturday and Sunday, live streaming on Facebook, and we're working on a live stream through the website as well. Technology is under pressure here now. And remember, we're running on a shoestring. We don't have any um, big corporate funding behind this project. It is running and it's being run primarily by a volunteer organisation. And just in terms of what you had done before we went into the COVID-19 lockdown, Jared, what way was the show, the, the real show? How was that looking this year? The real show was looking very well this year because we were up uh, on trade stands 
by the end of uh, February, we were up 50% on trade stand sales for last year. So, like, that was powering on quite well, and the interest in activities was growing. Partly because we've had two good summers in the past, like 2019 and 2018, by and large, were good for the show. And, you know, people remember positive atmospheres, and they keep going forward, and they keep thinking positively. And as the show grows with popularity, it becomes less weather-dependent in that people are inclined to get out, even if there are the heavy showers here and there. The actual show should have taken place two weeks ago in Corrigan, and it was uh, light showers on the Saturday, and it was dry on the Sunday, so nothing unusual there. But the momentum for the 2020 show was actually going extremely well. And hopefully, 2021, uh, social distancing will be reduced down to a few inches, and we will be able to drive on with a good show in 2021 back on the site in Corrigan. I know that you made several announcements at the time that you had to tell us that, uh, sadly, you wouldn't be able to do the live show this year and uh, the virtual plan was being put together. You, you do uh, have a lot of supporters there, I think, Gerald, who are, are willing to come back next year and, and, and to leave their interest there and pick it up again when you guys start doing the organising. Even trade stands now that had paid in funding are deposits towards the... Um, the show for 2020, I would estimate that quite a large portion, now there's still money being dribbled back, uh, we, we agreed to pay them back um, on request straight away and we're paying back within roughly 24, 48 hours of this stage, it's probably slowed down, we were paying back faster because we were more geared to deal with it quickly. I would say there's a large portion of them have left their money sitting for 2021, which is very encouraging because it's saying, look, we're in, this COVID thing is not going to stop us. We're going to get on with the show. We're going to get on with the facts. And we are going to be alive and kicking in 2021 and drive on, which is, you know, positive atmosphere. And we'll check in with Gerard again next week to find out how the virtual Cork Summer Show 2020 went. Gerard Murphy there, Chair of the Munster Agricultural Society. Rodine Fish Farms Limited and Seal Harbour Enterprises Limited are the two Cork recipients sharing in the 3.4 million euro investment announced by Minister for Agriculture, Food and the Marine Barry Count TD. Rodine Fish Farms Cork has been granted 33,278 euro and Seal Harbour Enterprises Limited Cork 16,840 euro. These amounts represent 40% of the total overall investment being made in the enterprises. Funding is being allocated to the Cork Aquaculture Operations from the department's EMFF, European Maritime and Fisheries Fund programme. In the case of Rodine Fish Farms Limited, the funding will go towards Phase 3 of the introduction of a continuous rope muscle system to cost €83,197 in total. Meanwhile, the Seal Harbour Enterprises Limited investment will facilitate the upgrading of rope muscle equipment, requiring an investment of €42,100 overall. The €3.4 million investment announced by Minister for Agriculture Barry Cowan TD on 1st of July 2020 has been shared amongst 15 aquaculture enterprises nationwide. John O'Connor for Farm Talk. Thanks to John for co-producing and contributing to the Farm Talk programme again this week. I'm Barry O'Mahony. Thanks for listening. Planning for your next trip? 
Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hi, this is Craig Robinson from Ways to Win. And support for this podcast comes from Invesco QQQ, the official ETF of the NCAA. The future isn't scary, not realizing its potential, however, could be. Just like on the recruiting trail, I've seen potential come in many forms as a coach. Learn more at Invesco.com slash QQQ. Let's rethink possibility. Invesco Distributors, Inc.